This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of The Godless Revolution. This is Dan Ellis, and I wanted to let you all know a little bit about the audio you're about to hear. This comes to you from a guest appearance that I had on Sean McCraney's Heart of the Matter 2.0 show. Apparently he has a church called Campus. I don't know what Campus stands for, but I traveled to his church uh, here in Murray. It's right close to my house. Actually, it's like five miles away. I don't even know if it's that far. Anyway, uh, he had sent an email to the board alias for Atheists of Utah and requested to speak with somebody or have somebody appear on his show who was an educated, opinionated atheist who hated Christianity, and so I volunteered as tribute. So I went to his church. It's kind of in this industrial area, almost a strip mall-ish area, uh, older section of town uh, on the wrong side of the tracks, if you will. And everybody there was super nice, super welcoming. Um, though it's kind of a rundown area, he's done a whole lot of work inside the building to make it a nice place for his congregants. And like I said, he was a, seemed like a really nice guy. Uh, had a decent conversation with him. Of course, there were a lot of things that I wish I could have pushed back on or said more succinctly, or explained more clearly, uh, I think I was taken aback by a lot of the things that he was saying that seemed so far removed from mainstream Christianity that it was just a little bit hard to get my bearings on some of the things that he was asking. Um, for example, his question about whether I was a Darwinist, uh, him saying that hell doesn't exist, that Jesus has won the ultimate victory, and has reconciled all things. I still have no idea what the fuck that means, but it sure made him look like he felt good when he was saying it. And all of the, I think there were seven or eight people in the crowd were nodding their heads in agreement. Um, it just, I don't know. It was, it was kind of a strange experience. I wish I could have spent a whole lot longer talking to him. Uh, a lot longer. Uh, it was just, you know, there were, uh, because I didn't do much research on him. I didn't look much into his church, his beliefs, his history, you know, what he's done in the past, things that he teaches, what he believes. And so when he said that hell doesn't exist anymore and that there are gates in heaven where, or holes in the gates or walls, I, I still am not entirely sure what he meant, but there are apparently holes where people can enter and leave heaven. Uh, he believes that there is free will in heaven, but that people won't be committing any sins because they just won't want to. It, it's it's really strange. I'd I'd love to talk to him a bit more. Uh, you'll notice that when this starts out, there's some chatter in the background. That's that's he and I just kind of chit chatting back and forth as we're getting set up. 
and he's telling me where the cameras are and everything. And then at the end, you'll notice that there's some more chit chat and he thanked me for coming on and, you know, said it was fun. I seem nice, whatever. And I said, well, thank, you know, I thanked him for having me on the show again, thanked everybody in the audience and said that maybe I'd have to get him on the Godless Revolution sometime, which I still think might be a whole lot of fun. I think it'd be, it'd be I mean, he's, he's an affable guy. He's, like I said, very nice. Uh, I think it would be kind of fun to just explore some of the things that he thinks and, and how he came to the conclusion for those beliefs. I don't, I don't understand where a lot of his thinking comes from. It seems to be, like I said, contradicting a lot of mainstream Christianity and a lot of the beliefs of mainstream Christians. So, uh, it would be, like I said, really interesting to talk to him for a lot longer. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Let us know if we should have him on the show. Uh, send me your feedback. Tell me what you think, how I did. Like I say, there are some things I would definitely improve. And it's, you know, it's always one of those, <clears throat> excuse me, it's always one of those things where you can look back on it and think, oh, I wish I'd have done that, or I wish I would have said this, or I could have worded this better. But it's, it's hard in the, you know, right at the moment to be as clear as possible. Hell, I'm sitting here in my office and saying, um, and stumbling a little bit. I haven't written anything down, but I, pretty much knew what I wanted to say. You'll also notice that <laughs> toward the end of our discussion, he starts, I don't know, witnessing a little bit uh, and saying that he, you know, that Jesus Christ is, has had the total victory. And, you know, he said, he said a few things that we kind of joked back and forth a little bit about. And then he started talking about, you know, I believe that there was a garden and Adam and Eve, and I thought that he was setting up some kind of joke. And so you can hear me start laughing. And he actually he actually called me out on it and he said, Hey, you're laughing. And I realized then that he wasn't setting up a joke. He was being totally honest. And so I kind of felt like a dick, but I mean, really, that belief is laughable. So I kind of feel bad, but I don't. It was it was just a completely spontaneous reaction. There was no malice intended. I like I said, I thought he was setting up a joke, but uh, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to maybe talk to him some more, explore some more of his beliefs and see why he believes those things and how he came to those beliefs. But I'll let you guys decide if you think that that would be worth your while. And if so, then we can contact him and see if he would like to come on the show and is available to do so. Anyway, this is just a bonus episode, uh, for Patreon patrons. Don't worry. This isn't going to cost you anything. I'm not going to I'm not going to put this as a paid post or anything like that. Um, Ryan and Matt were unable to join me last week, so we just canceled the show for the week. Uh, we'll be recording this week. I believe they'll both be able to be here. Uh, and I'm still in negotiation and talking to Mikey Weinstein to see if he can come on the show. He was, I think, planning on coming on the show this week, but was called out of town for some other pressing issues and said that he's hoping that he can join us next week. I'll just continue following up with him and seeing when we can get him on the show. But without any further ado, I will just turn you over to the audio. Oh, also, I've cleaned it up as much as I could. The The audio from the that I pulled from the video wasn't terrific, but I think I've done a decent job in cleaning up a lot of the background noise and leveling some of the audio issues and stuff, so... Anyway, hope you're all doing well, and we'll see you all on the next show. 
If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! Her Ebonics anymore, so I better not even say that. <laughs> I think it was Ebonics for oh, was Ebony. It? Yeah. Ebon, yeah, that's it. Okay, we are ready. Oh, uh, Dan, you'll be looking at that. Live from Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Here we try our best to worship God in spirit and truth. Really excited about tonight. We, uh, tonight's guest, Dan Ellis. We'll hear all about Dan in just a second and really appreciate him taking the time to come and talk. And, uh, as usual, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Uh, Father God, we just, uh, seek you and your spirit to be with us and, uh, and bless the conversation, the time together and, uh, that people seeking it will gain understanding and that everybody will learn to love better. And we pray for this in Jesus name. Amen. Dan uh, Ellis, former president, vice president, secretary of the, is it Utah Atheist Group or Atheist? Atheists of Utah. Atheists of Utah, uh, Dan Ellis. And as usual, uh, we're going to hear all about him in his life uh, from the moment he was born all the way up till this present time, because we want some backstory about where he came from, family life, parents, uh, whatever it is, education, if there is any formal or or informal, whatever. Uh, but I want to show you, I, I put out a call on Facebook, which is kind of a new thing for me, Facebook, and I said, I'm looking for people who hate Christians. Now, I haven't asked Dan if he fits that model. He was referred to me, and I didn't even ask him when I contacted him, do you hate Christians? I just said, do you want to be on our show because I hear you're an atheist? And he said, yeah, I'll come on and talk about atheism. So I don't even know if he fit that category. I got a few names. We'll talk about that. But I am not prepared. This was, I, I prepared this in Carl's Jr. Uh, a few hours ago. These are my notes. I didn't go and sit down to get an arsenal of things to try to, uh, see if I could trick him or win the argument on one point, you know, or what about this thing? And, and there's a lot of stuff online, you know, Christians use to, yeah, I can prove, uh, atheists wrong by doing this one or that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not interested in it. Um, and, uh, I, the reason is, is if I wanted to go and prepare myself, I would look up smarter people than me to learn information. I go to William Lane Craig, I go to Ravi Zacharias, I go to uh, Flu and Lennox and all these guys, and this is what they do. They debate with atheists. And I'm sure Dan, if he's not up to par, he may be, but if he's not up to par, like I'm not up to par, he would go to Hitchens and Dawkins and and uh, the guy who wrote Why I'm Not a Christian, Bertrand Russell, and famous atheists, and gather a whole bunch of stuff. And then all we would do is just sit here and throw stuff back and forth at each other to see who could win. I don't want to win tonight. I don't care if I look like a loser tonight with Dan. I want to understand Dan and atheism. And I hope that uh, this will flow the other way, that I can share with you some things that perhaps you're, you don't know about Christianity uh, or you've been misled to believe Christianity is. So I hope we can come to understand each other with that and we'll talk things out as they come. The mic, the, the floor is yours, brother. Tell us about Dan. Well, thanks for having me here tonight. I appreciate it. I appreciate the invite. Um, I want to start with, no, I do not hate Christians. Okay. I am not a fan at all of Christianity. Okay. But 
Christian people in you know by themselves as individuals are by and large pretty good people. Oh, okay. You now I so uh, a little bit about myself. I was born and raised here in Utah. Lived here almost my entire life. We had a brief stint in uh, Wyoming when I was younger. Mm-hmm. My dad was a assistant manager for Safeway, so we traveled around. Oh. You know when he would get transferred to different stores. Um, most of my family is LDS, very LDS. I was baptized into the church, of course, at the tender age of eight years old, and uh, never had a testimony of the church that I can remember ever. Um, you know, I, I would attend church with my family, but I never believed in a lot of the teachings they were they were telling other they were telling people. Um, I was a kid in Sunday school who asked way too many questions and would get the teacher upset and flustered and, you know, the teacher would say that I would just need to go home or, you know, talk to my parents about it, pray about it, talk to the bishop about it. Nobody could ever sufficiently answer the questions that I had. Uh, and my parents divorced when I was right about nine, ten years old. Um, and from there, I think my, I think, the example my mother set from bouncing out of L- bouncing out of the LDS church to kind of flitting through a bunch of different religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. You know, she was like Wiccan for a little while, pagan for a little while, Buddhist for a little while. She tried all the different flavors of religious belief, and I think that was my uh, indication that you know, not all of these can be correct religious beliefs, mm-hmm. but it's really easy that they could all be wrong. Mm-hmm. And when I look and see that there are thousands of Christian denominations, I mean, I I hadn't heard of your church in particular until I received the email asking for somebody to come on the show. I am so stunned. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Right? Um, but thank you very much for having me here. Um, yeah, I just, I think, you know, seeing her bounce around through a bunch of different faiths and knowing that I had friends that weren't Mormon who were really good people, and I also had friends that were Mormons who were very good people. But I also had friends when I was younger that, when their parents found out that I didn't attend that I didn't attend church regularly or I wasn't a faithful believer, that then they couldn't hang out with me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. I think I've always been an atheist, but it wasn't until I was in my twenties that I actually identified as an atheist because growing up Mormon, you're taught and told that atheists are bad. You know. Mm-hmm. Doubt your doubts before you doubt your belief, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it was something that I just had always associated with being a bad person or at least not a very good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't until I was working at uh, AT&T Universal Card uh, in my early 20s uh, that I met a, met a guy there who, you know, just through casual conversation, suggested that I read Carl Sagan's Demon Haunted World, mm-hmm. Science is a Candle in the Dark. Mm-hmm. And it was through reading that that I realized, oh, well, that's what an atheist is. Well, that's what I am. Okay, well, I must be an atheist then. Mm. And, I don't know, he just he made a lot of really great points that I had kind of been kicking around in my own brain and considered a little bit, but hadn't ever really given it a lot of thought. And I think from that moment on, I was like, yeah, I'm an atheist. But I was an apatheist. I mean, being an atheist, of course, especially somewhere as religious as the state of Utah, it's not something that you tell a whole lot of people unless you're crazy or or really really enthusiastic about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just you know I was I was a quiet 
on the on the down low atheist for a really long time. Uh, it wasn't until later uh, in my mid to late twenties that, or actually even early thirties, that a friend of mine on Facebook that I had gone to high school with uh, came out on Facebook as gay, and you know that's that's part of who he is. That's part of his identity. It's it's not something that you choose for yourself. It's not something that you can just say, okay, well, I guess I'm going to not be gay today. Mm-hmm. And he decided to be more open and honest with the people that he loved and felt close to. And a lot of the hate that I see direct, that I saw directed at him after he made that post made me think, okay, well, you know, I also agree that being gay isn't a problem. It's not a bad thing. It's not something people should be ashamed of. If he's going to do that, I should you know, show a little bit of solidarity and say, okay, well, I should be more open and honest with the people that I love and care about because I have been keeping this bit of myself away from them for so long and should be more open and honest with them. And so I I made a post on Facebook uh, basically just coming out as an atheist. When was that? How long? Uh, that was nine or ten years ago. Oh, okay. Um, and that wasn't... Pro- in retrospect, that probably wasn't the best way to go about it. Mm. I would I would encourage people out there that if they uh, have decided they're an atheist, that they should have private conversations with those they care about first. If they if they want to come out, if they you know if they can come out and if they want to come out, that they should have private conversations with those closest to them first, and then move you know to a more open and public forum in order to make that pronouncement. Um, if I so if I had to do it over again, I would have done it a little bit differently, but uh, it wasn't entirely well received among my family members and a lot of my own friends. Uh, you know, I've had friends that I had been friends with for years, decades, and that until I announced publicly that I was an atheist, I would never have guessed that they had a religious bone in their body. But as soon as I came out as an atheist um, and made it clear that I wasn't down with religion at all, I lost a lot of friends that, like I said, until that moment I had no idea they had any religious belief whatsoever. And we still have tons and tons in common, a lot of shared experience, a lot of great memories. But it was that one little thing that seemed to be the biggest, you know, it was that one little difference that to them was a difference that they just couldn't abide. And And did you interpret that as a real failure of religion, that it would create people who would turn on an old friend just just because they say I have a different well view. certainly certainly yeah it's I, I view religion largely to be a, a hugely divisive force mm-hmm. um, well like I said I you know I, I hadn't heard about your church until I received an invite and it's because you know I'm so I don't know much about you or your church I'm sorry I, I didn't no, spend fine. much time uh, doing any research on you or anything Um but it's my understanding in talking with other friends on Facebook that you're formerly LDS. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, 40 years. And are not a big fan of the LDS church, so we got that in common. We also have in common. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Christianity uh, uh, either. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm not a fan of Christianity because the word today means something very different than I think what it meant originally. Yeah. Even, you know, even shortly after uh, Christ's death and resurrection, I think Christianity got a pretty rotten name through the early Catholic years and stuff. So I'm with you on that. I, and, and so, and I've changed a lot, but so, 
I've matured in my uh, animus toward um, Mormons and things like that. But I do, we share a kindred background in having, how active were you? Uh, you were baptized, but. Oh, we, my, my parents weren't entirely devout. Um, my mom has always been a bit of a free spirit and a free thinker. So she didn't agree with a lot of the church's policies and stances on things. Um, do you think she had an influence on your, the way you see the world? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, your parents do inevitably. Yeah. If, if you, I mean, it's people that you see and spend time with every day. Yeah. If you're in a normal, healthy household. Um, so if someone said to you, and, and this is an all friendliness, well, you know, Dan, you're an atheist because your mom, she flitted around to a bunch of different churches. And so, of course, that's going to show you that there really is no real God, no real church. So uh, how would you respond to that, that comment? I would, I would say that that would, uh, that would be presuming that I've not done any research or investigation on my own. Mm -hmm. That I'm only relying on my mother's experience. Mm -hmm. And as I said earlier, that was pretty much just the gateway into me, uh, realizing that, you know, a lot of these faiths are incorrect mm -hmm. because they can't, like I said, they can't all be correct and they all have diametrically opposed views. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then I started looking at, okay, well, which one, is the true and correct church or which one does have, you know, the truth on its side. And after years and years of, of research and thought, I realized that none of them are true and correct. So, um, in your late twenties, you've come out, you read Sagan's book. I read uh, about half of that when I was younger and I, I couldn't finish it. Not because I disagreed with it. I think I couldn't finish it because of time constraints, but I started reading Demon Haunted World. Uh, but you, uh, late twenties, uh, get married, family, mom, what's the relationship with mom and dad? You have siblings and how's all that now? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, everything, everything's great. I did have a sibling. Uh, my sister, uh, died of bladder cancer several years ago. Oh. Um, but she, she had other issues too that, that precipitated getting to that point and then deciding that she didn't want to see treatment for the bladder cancer. Mm -hmm. um, my father, a few years ago, uh, just in talking with him, he told me, well, yeah, I'm an atheist too, but don't tell your grandmother. Because <laughs> it would break her heart. Um, and then two years ago, he had a health scare and was in the hospital for a couple weeks and came close to death. And I think... That woke something in him that he decided, well, I need to get right with God before I die because if I don't, who knows what will happen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, after years of no participation, no participation in any church at all, uh, he's recently gone back to the LDS faith. Mm -hmm. I think it provides him some bit of comfort. And for a while, I was hoping that it would make him a more compassionate and caring person, but that hasn't been the case. Wow. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I said, most of my family is very LDS. When I initially came out, I don't know, there was a period of maybe six months to a year that I would have constant battles with people who still chose to associate with me, but wanted to try to, sh wanted to try to show me that I was wrong for being an atheist. Um, and after several discussions back and forth with them, I think they've decided, you know, I don't want, well, I think there are a couple different things. I think, I think one is that they've seen that I've been able to convince a few people 
at least a few, that, you know, their, the religion that they're practicing is crap and they should leave it. And so they don't want to engage me a whole lot because they're afraid of what any potential doubts I could, I could, you know, the little seeds that I would plant, you know, what would that grow? And they're terrified of the prospect. Sure. Um, and so, and then of course there are others who are just like, oh, I just don't want to argue with them. I'd rather just hang out with them and have a good time. Um, but yeah, the, the relationship with my family is good. Um, you know, I still hang out with my father on occasion. Uh, see my mom fairly regularly, not as often as I'd like. We're both really busy people. Uh, I have a couple of cousins who have recently decided to leave the LDS church. Uh, I would like to think that I was very influential in that, but I, I don't think ultimately that was it. It was the church's stance and new policy on how it treats, uh, children of gay parents that was just a bridge too far for them, yeah. where they chose the, you know, they, they said, okay, well, that's, that's enough. I'm out. I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't defend a church who would pick on innocent children and say that because somebody else in your family has done something, we're going to punish you specifically. That really hit them. I think they really made a big mistake on that. Oh, yeah, I think they stepped in with that, yeah. for sure. It's it's driven a lot of people away from the church. You know, uh, Dan, a couple things. Uh, first of all, I feel like a, uh, a prepubescent junior high schooler standing in the shower with a well-developed uh, masculine male looking at that beard. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I was thinking yours is pretty glorious, man. You're yeah, silver but, fox but over there. There's no comparison. You've got the girth and the length. I mean, this is... <laughs> uh, if, I'll just let that one go. If beard size is an indicator of truth, I guess he's got it. <laughs> anyway. Thank um, you. Yeah, no, it's, it's impressive. I'm envious. Beard Envy. It's a new DSM-7 psychological uh, uh, thing. No. Uh, what, Dan, is atheism? I think a lot of people are confused about what atheism is. Yeah. Um, for me, what I, what I say atheism is, is simply a lack of belief in a god or gods. And it's not because I'm choosing to reject some innate sense of God that I have within me. It's that I haven't been presented sufficient evidence to warrant a belief in a god or gods. Um, I think a lot of people are confused about atheists that, you know, especially here in Utah where the LDS church teaches things like, you know, if you leave the church, it's because you want to sin. It's because you're, you're falling away and you just want to live a life of luxury. You don't want to have to pay your tithing. You, you know, all of these things are benefits to leaving the church, <laughs> but, but they're not the primary reason that people leave the church. Mm. It's not because I wanted to drink beer or wanted to drink coffee or wanted to have sex out of wedlock. None of those are why I left the church. I left the church because it didn't make any sense to me. I don't believe that it's true, and there was just nothing there for me. Yeah. So atheism, I have a good friend named Phil, and he uh, asked this question, uh, and I'm going to pass it on to you. It's, it's, it's not a loaded question. It's just, he says, I, would, I always wondered, is atheism more about growing something, or is atheism more about destroying something? That, and, and how would you answer that question? I'm not entirely sure that I understand the is question. Is atheism about growing atheism and getting more people? Like you said, you convinced a few to come over. Is it more about getting more people 
on your site and to, to grow in America, for instance, a, a body of atheists so that the world can be, uh, rid of the scourge of, uh, religious people. And at the same, <laughs> or is it also to just destroy any person who looks to, looks up to the heavens and says, I believe in you, God? Which, no, no, I think that's a common misconception. Is it? And that's a great question now that I understand yeah. it a little more. Um, I don't think that's the goal of atheism at all. Uh, for me, I I personally don't care what people believe in their own homes and churches, synagogues, mosques, temples, whatever. I don't care what they believe. I don't care what they practice. I don't care what they do so long as they're not harming themselves or others. Mm -hmm. If they want to believe whatever nonsense suits them, provides comfort, whatever, I, I have no issue with that. I do have issue with religion when it steps into the lives of other people and tries to enforce that particular religion's beliefs onto other people who are not adherents of that faith. Mm -hmm. Oh, so proselytizing. Not just proselytizing, but legislating. Oh, okay. I mean, here Politically. in Utah, yeah, here in Utah, you can't do a lot of things that the LDS church doesn't like. Mm. You know, you, the liquor stores are closed on Sunday. Uh, they're closed on holidays. Um, you know, they interfere with things like Prop 8. Like I said, they, they try to make, uh, children of gay parents disavow their own parents in order to be, in order to be baptized into the church. They teach that people of other faiths are, are bad and wrong. And really that's a problem with all kinds of faith, sure. right? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's not that I want to destroy faith necessarily or that I want to d destroy religion. Mm -hmm. I will, I want people to have good reasons for believing the things that they do. And I've not been provided any evidence or any good reasons for any of the faith claims that I've heard thus far. Maybe you'll change my mind tonight. I don't know. Well, I don't know if it'll be tonight, but I want to be your friend. <laughs> and we're going to go out and have a beer under Utah's liquor laws yes. and, uh, and we'll talk. All right. Because I think it would be fun. And, uh, I don't think, uh, Maybe you've heard some of the facts, but we'll talk about that. Uh, Dan, the, uh, I have to tell you with what you've just said, I'm in complete agreement with you. Awesome. I cannot stand, uh, political machinations that when people get up and use Jesus name for their political agendas in Washington or here, I don't like religions getting involved in the laws and using their at all. So I am, I stand with you. Yay. I don't like any religion that uh, gets people to believe in things that are not, uh, provable from their own stuff. For instance, Mormonism, when they manipulate, and I can't stand it either. So, in terms of religion, you and I are on the same, we're on the same plane, truly. And anyone who knows me would agree, we are. So, this, I'm not just Show saying, hands. It, yeah, yeah, we, we are on the same plane there. Awesome. So, so far, I have a brother here in, in things. Cool. The other thing I, I want you to know as someone who does, uh, and I, and I do think that faith is a choice and there's no getting around it. We choose to believe that the person who creates or the person who governs or whatever is there. And we have to believe that. Well, and I, I would disagree with you there slight, oh. slightly. I just want to push back a little bit on yeah. it and say that I don't think your beliefs are something that you choose. Oh. There's something that you come to, uh, for whatever reason. It's not that, you know, I couldn't choose to believe that I can fly and have that happen, mm -hmm. right? There, there's not thing, you know, faith isn't something that you can just choose to believe or not. You didn't choose to leave the LDS church. You were convinced 
for whatever reason that it wasn't true and so you left and you've developed another set of beliefs afterward, right? So it's not something that you necessarily choose. You can choose to want to have a sense of community. You can choose to want to uh, do what you've been indoctrinated or taught from birth that, you know, you need to have a uh, belief in or worship a higher power. Mm-hmm. But those aren't things that you necessarily choose. Uh, you know, like I say, you don't necessarily choose a particular line of belief. It's what your life experience and, uh, other, other things that you've learned throughout your life have brought you to a point where, okay, well, I can adopt this now as I believe that this is true and correct. Not that, you know, I, regardless of whether I believe it's true or not, I'm just choosing to believe it necessarily. So it sounds like almost that you don't believe in free will. I do not, actually. I think free will is an illusion. Ah. <laughs> so, and that is where I would disagree with you and Calvinists, because you and Calvinists are in the same boat, which is one reason why I so strongly stand against Calvinism, because they are so close to atheism in that stance. Oh, yeah. That, and, and I couldn't disagree with you more uh, in, in that, but I won't uh, make it a deal. I, I, I believe that we choose minute by minute whether we're going to allow our histories, information, uh, ideas, wants, desires to cause us to, uh, to help us choose to believe or not. I think faith is a constant choice and that's why Christians believe it's the only way you can please God. Well, I think, I think you choose to try to follow a, a particular line of faith okay. and hope that the results, it basically faith is hoping for the unseen and unknown. Sure. Right. That's what it is. It's, it's hope. It's not, it's not a choice to actually believe the things. It's a choice to follow the teachings of whatever religion you, you've been involved with. Yeah. So you're dividing a pretty, uh, you're putting a pretty black line between faith and hope. You're, you're saying it's more of just a, a wishful hope that you're, it's really, that's really more of what you're saying? I think for, I think for a lot of people, yeah, certainly not all. Cert, you know, certainly there are believers who, you know, they're not just hoping they actually fully, wholeheartedly believe what they're saying and, and the things that they're taught. And they, and, there really are a lot of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, uh, They fly planes into buildings. Yes, sometimes. they do. We always use that example, don't we? <laughs> Not they feed the poor downtown. I'm just getting on you, Dan. Sometimes they do, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's just it, too. I mean, religion can do some good things, but it can also do some horribly Absolutely. destructive things. Absolutely. Um. So t- to another topic that I kind of want to know, and I've heard it talked about, but so people want to know, well, then how do you know truth? What, where, where do you get your truth from? And to you, you might be, you idiot. It's so simple. But to a, to a Christian, it's tough for us to understand how someone, and do you say there is no God? Is that what you say? Uh, I say that I'm unconvinced that there's any kind of God. You're yeah. unconvinced. Yeah. That's, is, is that different than a hardcore atheist who says there is no God? Well, so you, you asked earlier what atheism is, and I, I guess maybe we can revisit that a little bit to say that a lot of people confuse atheism, theism, Gnosticism, and agnosticism. Um, and really, for me, it's a binary choice. Let me go through those four things first, okay. if you'll allow me. Absolutely. If you'll indulge me for yes, a moment. Yes, we're trying to learn. Uh, truly. Okay. So, uh, atheism. So, theism and atheism deal with belief. Okay. Gnosticism and agnosticism deal with knowledge. So, you can be an agnostic theist. 
You, know, okay. you can be somebody who believes but doesn't know for sure that what they what they believe is actually true. Okay. You can be a Gnostic theist who is somebody who purports to know that what they believe is true. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side of that, you can be an agnostic atheist who has no belief but doesn't claim to know that they're correct. Mm -hmm. And you can be a Gnostic atheist where you uh, do not believe and you claim to know that you're correct and that there is no God. It's just like Protestantism. You got a thousand different <laughs> denominations. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, sure. But like I said, you can be a, you can be an agnostic theist. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so what are you? So I, as far as all of the God claims that I have ever been presented with, I am a Gnostic atheist. Gnostic atheist. Meaning mm -hmm. that I know that the claims that I've heard thus far for any particular religion, any belief in any deity that may be out there, I can show through the teachings of that particular religion, religion even, that they're wrong. Okay. Because they make mutually exclusive claims that when contrasted together mm -hmm. simply can't exist. Mm -hmm. Um and but you realize as right as now that our viewers at home, wherever they are, and those who will watch are just chomping at the bit. Yes, wait a minute. Send me wait email, a minute. Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't understand this one and that one and this one. And you guys do go through it. You guys, you guys have done your homework and you do have answers, right? Well, yeah, that's, that's another common misconception is just that, you know, well, atheists are atheists or they don't believe because they just haven't heard from the right person. Yeah. They haven't heard it presented in the right way or they haven't heard this little fact or this little tidbit of whatever religious belief I personally hold. And that's just so incredibly wrong because we get it all the time. Mm -hmm. We're constantly, constantly challenged on our non-belief. You know, well, how can you not believe when you see a beautiful sunset or trees or look at the face of a beautiful little baby? You know, how can you believe that there's no God? Well, I don't believe that there's no God, but the claims for any God that I've been presented with so far, I don't believe. I see. So, uh, that being said, um, do you, um, will, do you acknowledge that there could be an explanation out there that might suffice someday? An explanation for what, in particular? God that would, that would satisfy your, uh, I would say that if a God exists that actually cares about what happens to us here on Earth and what we're doing, he's a monster. Okay. Yeah. And do you, uh, and, and do you know what the Christian response to that, the reasonable biblical Christian response to that would be? I've heard several different ones. What's yours? <laughs> <laughs> well, mine is the fact that what he allows that looks monstrous is evidence of his goodness. That in order for there to be free will and him not to be a despot monster god <clears throat> causing good everywhere, he gives us choice and he gave it from the beginning. And yeah, he knew from the beginning when he created us what we would do. And you could say that's a monster god. But on the opposite side, my friend, he could just be a puppeteer and he could force us to just be good all the time. Or he could just not exist. Or he could exist, <laughs> create us, and give us chances to muck up everything, and he's reaching saying, I'm here, and I love you. So I and, see And it. so what do you say to the, to the child, to the little girl who's been locked in a cage for years, raped daily, yeah. forced to have, uh, forced to carry to term 
pregnancies from her father, her uncle, grandfather, whoever, who's raping her, yeah. and feed and care for this, the child of her rape and or incest for years. Yeah. What would you say to that person that, well, God allowed your rapist and captor free will, and so these are just the consequences. Yeah, Hopefully you learn from this. If he inserted himself, the way Christians often use his name blasphemously, that he inserts himself and fixes things and saves things and changes things, if he inserted himself in that situation, then he would be a despot. And he would say, no, I'm going to save this little girl of this one. And if he did that, then I have to save that, that little child who's going about to be hit by a car. Well, and so I got to save the kid drowning. And I got to save the mother from cancer. Yeah. So does he insert himself into your life? Does he answer your prayers? Does he, he do good things for you? The answer to the prayers, the good things are not always seen as good. The good thing, the, what is good might be to you and me seem really heinous or deleterious. It's not that he's giving them. He's not causing them. He's here to help us through them. But How in does order he do to, that? Uh, well, that comes with uh, reaching out and through solace and through the peace. And that's what gives me the reason I do what I do and walk the way I walk. But I can't expect you to have that or, or force you to have it. That's just my explanation for it. And it's my little gnosis of that there being a God. He does reach into my heart when I would rather want to beat the crap out of a guy and says, Sean, no, then I know that he is working in me in a way that I haven't experienced before. But getting back to the point at hand, uh, Dan, the child getting raped every day, one, if we're looking at this much of existence, that's a really horrible, like her life, that's horrible. But if we're looking at a grand picture, and I know you've heard this, this is standard stuff, if we're looking at the grand panoply of God's beginning to end thing, who knows? What is happening through that horror that he is allowing? He's not causing, he's allowing. Who knows the good that can come of that in the end? And that's how I have to see can it. Can you give me an example of one good thing that could come out of that? Oh, sure. I think that, you know, maybe the, the, the father of the girl goes and he loses his stuff and he blows away the guy who did it and he gets put in prison. And while he's in prison, there are five. Wait, wait. It would be a good thing if he goes and murders. I'm somebody? taking a long grand view here. I'm, I'm taking the grand view. Oh, and, maybe and I, I interrupt you. I, I'm, I'm taking it okay. out to an extreme here. Okay. Yeah. So, and God is—he's not saying go and kill. God is like, you guys have free will. You do it. Do it. You're going to do it. <laughs> You're going to do it. It's going to happen. That's right. Sure. You have the choice, sir. Uh -huh. And so, sir goes and does it. But through the process, that guy somehow comes to understand the fault of his actions. The girl mourns over what her father did and somehow comes to understand. Understanding through this pain and suffering, you know as well as I do, we seem to learn a lot more from from the pain and difficulty that we experience in our life than we do from just the joy and sheer pleasure. Ah, you'd think that, but I make the same stupid mistakes over and over and over again. Well, that's because you're, you're belligerent, <laughs> my brother. No, and me too. I do too. Stubborn to a fault. Yeah, but you know, I I, I, I get what you're saying. It's hard to understand how a, a loving God could allow this pain. But at the same time, I could not respect or believe in a God who would create a world where it didn't exist. See, and I think that's where we differ big time because yeah. I could never respect, respect, let alone worship a being who would allow that type of thing to happen. So tell me, what would, what would you, if you're a good God, do? Oh, man, there are so many things. What would you like to know first? Well, this is the case of the little girl. And then go on down the laundry list 
of the horrors that are going on around the world. And so all God is doing is stripping men of their ability to freely choose. Well, let me let me ask you a question. Do you so I don't know your religious beliefs. I don't yeah. know what you teach here at this church or anything. I don't I don't know what y'all get together and do. Hopefully you've got a good community and, and you guys have a good time. We don't do much of that. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you don't get excited to We don't do, do much of that. No. No, it's not milk and cows. Not that right. kind of place. <laughs> some guys do some of that. We have to work with them, but uh keep going. <laughs> uh well so do you believe in an afterlife and in a heaven and everything? Absolutely, yeah. Is so is heaven perfect? I don't know what heaven is. I don't know if it's perfect. No one knows, and so it's conjecture. But I would say that all go there, including you, including all everybody else, because Jesus had the victory and saved the world. Yeah. Well, can you sin in heaven? I believe you can. Yeah, because it says in Revelation, not to quote scripture to you, but it says in Revelation that those who are in the outside of the New Jerusalem, which is in heaven, this is where all the believers go. But there's holes in the gates for the non-believers to come in when they when they come to their senses, right? Outside of it are where the liars <laughs> and adults. This is like the, I'm just quoting there's scripture. There's holes in the gates. Yeah, there's doorways. So somewhere, somewhere, in wherever time, heaven is located. Yes, they have. They've constructed this whole this whole place. Yeah, God New, has constructed this place. New Jerusalem is spiritual. It's spiritual, and He's left holes. When I say holes, I mean in the gates. gates. There's gates in the in the in the city wall. And then they're in the northeast, south, and west. And everybody outside that, Dan, are the liars and those who love to cause problems. That's how they're described. They will have, they have the opportunity to go into that place if they want. So in heaven, can uh, evil happen? According to Revelation, yes. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting take on that. I've, I've never heard that. You said that you were going to tell me some things. I will about tell you a number of things. That's that, why I'm excited to talk to you. Sure. I want to share one more with you before we continue on. Sure. And that is, I sort of touched on it, but no matter what you've heard by the idiots, I want you to know that this is the Christian faith. God loved this world so much. He gave his son. His only human son. I know you don't believe him. He's a joke to most of you. And he died. He gave his life. And he resurrected. And he overcame everything. Everything. And it's done. And he reconciled you. And he reconciled me and the Buddhists and the Hindu. And all. He reconciled. That son reconciled the world to him. And it solves a lot of the problems that go on. Now, I'm not making this up. This is from the scripture. It's just the evangelicals don't. Well, want to so it. you're not making it up, but you're assuming that the scriptures weren't made up by somebody too. Oh yeah, right? I definitely buy into those. Yeah, it, and I do that by faith. I choose. Right, to. right. But that's what I'm saying is, yeah. you, you're, you personally aren't making this up, but you're, you're pulling bits and pieces out of the, out of the scripture that you don't know wasn't made up by right. somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have faith that that was the inspired word of God to some extent. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it's something that you've you've gone through and you've gone through the scriptures and you've decided that I like this and I like this and I like this. That slavery bit we'll, we'll check aside. That that part about raping angels, we'll throw that all aside. All that fits in the same plot with the girl getting raped every day. It all fits in. It's oh, all yeah. part of the grand plan. I, I would say that a view like that really, to, to me, and I, I don't mean any offense, but, no. but a view like that to me just seems like well, if God is allowing all of this, hein- all of these heinous things to occur all the time, He's not, He's not helping. He's not 
stepping in to actually change things other than, you know, it gives you a burning in the bosom or a warm feeling every now and then or whatever, then what is the point of worshiping him at all? What is the point of praying? What is the point of going to church? What What is the point of doing any of that, supplicating yourself to a being that seems completely carefree or or as if i mean to me that that in itself is atheism it's it's believing that this god doesn't really participate in our lives in any meaningful way on a day-to-day basis i don't know why anybody would spend much time contemplating a being who would do those things or allow those things to happen like i said let alone worship that being i would have to uh go back and correct, uh, and I think I've misled you. It's not that he doesn't uh, care and get involved with us, but it's all through blessing. It is not through the, the hurting. What do you mean by blessing? It, it, it's through the uh, blessing of, well, the way we see it, is that uh, he gave you a beautiful beard. Thank and, you. And he gave you uh, a life on this earth, and he gave you lungs that could breathe, and he's with you every day of your life, and he sends sends the sun to shine down on you and the rain to shine down on you, whether you believe in him or not. He's a very good God. He's a very loving God. He doesn't wipe you off the face of the earth because you say you don't think he exists. Hmm. He's, that's, that's a despotic, angry God that, that wants you gone, right? So he is. Does he send people to hell? He said, no, he does not send people to hell. Oh, people, you don't believe in hell? People, I believe hell was a proper place scripturally, but it's done now. Remember, done by the victory. That's why I wanted to throw that in there. Done okay. by the victory of Christ. Overcome. And that is, that is not something I've just picked out. That is a contextual biblical argument. I'm not alone in this. Okay? So, so just, just so that I understand a little better what, what you believe, you don't believe that hell currently exists and or that people have been condemned to hell. No, hell is called, that term is sheol in the, in the Hebrew. Sure. And it just means the covered place. And it was there for all the people to go separate from God because there was sin in their life. Jesus comes and he reconciles the world to the Father. So the sh- it says that hell and Satan are cast into the lake of fire. They're done with their, their whatever they did. So that is how he's had the victory, and that's why you are part of this victorious plan. So getting back to the good God. So I believe that he is there to comfort us. I believe that he teaches me how to love. I teach, I believe he teaches me how to be a better human being than a worse human being. So he does have a very active, caring role in us, and he expects us. How does he teach you to be a better human being? Well, see, this is where it gets dicey with us because <laughs> it's by his spirit. And it's okay. by, yeah, and, and the only thing I can bring to the table for it is the proof from me. And it's subjective. It's my own experience. And I know that all kinds of people can say, well, he changed me too. And the military changed me. I'm a better man now. But God changed me, and I was once a real effer, and I was once someone that would not put up with anything, and maybe similar to the way you've been in your life. It took God. He is a crutch, someone I needed, like your dad, to go to, 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 to relinquish my will to his. And it's his will that is good that guides me to do well now. Now, I'm not saying you can't do good. Atheists do good all the time, but they do good for this earth. I don't know how much good you're doing for the kingdom to come, but that's between him and you. Well, until until I can be provided evidence that there is a kingdom to come, it seems silly to waste any time thinking about it. That's what, That word evidence and faith are, are counterintuitive, and that is the real rub, because there's nothing I can do, and no Christian, no matter what they say, 
We have great apologists who really try to prove. I say, we're not proving it. If you knew, if we knew, we wouldn't have faith. So we walk by faith, damn it. That's what it is. We admit it. I admit it. I walk by faith. But I think it is a choice. And that's where we differ. That's where I've, that's where I'm trying to throw a little bit of the coals on you. I think you're making the choice to say, I'm not going to choose to step into the light and give it a try. Well, I think, I think that's, that's a really big assumption that, it I mean, is that, that's assumption. assuming that I've never done that or that all of the other atheists that I know have never done that. It the atheists that I know that, you know, were biblical scholars that went through seminary that were planning to become priests or pastors yeah. or preachers or, or whatever in their own denominations, yeah. that they haven't done any of that, that they haven't submitted themselves to God's will, that they haven't prayed night after night after night that God would show some evidence of his existence yeah. to them so that they would know that they're justified in their faith. But, but, but I just have to correct that because from the Christian perspective, it, it is and never has been biblically. I pray, I study, I ask, you respond, damn it. It's never been that. The Christian walk is, I am going to choose to believe, and I'm going to walk this road, and even when it looks like you're never going to show up for me, I'm going to still choose to believe. That's the difference between what you're describing and what a Christian... So how long should one do that? Should they spend their entire life doing that and have, you know, suffering hardship, going through a lot of misery and pain, wasting a lot of their precious time here on earth, supplicating themselves to somebody that they don't know exists, but that they really, really hope yeah. exists. Yeah, and I know that's hard to understand, and I don't I don't blame you for not understanding it. But Well, and then, too, what makes you the special one that he has decided to step into your life? Oh, he's, he's, he, I'm not special. He calls to all. He's calling to you the same. It's just, have you decided to acquiesce and say, I will believe whether I have the, the proof in front of me or not? That's the thing. And the reason I can say it is the book of Hebrews chapter 11, every Christian knows it, it's called the, the Hall of Faith of Fame. What the writer describes in there is all these Old Testament characters who walked by faith, never getting rewarded. In fact, only experiencing being torn asunder and, and martyred for their faith, who never saw the fruit of their faith but still continue to walk in faith. That's what Christianity is. It is not having God respond and giving us the evidences that says, okay, now I will follow you. It just isn't. And it's a real big misnomer propagated by us fools who don't know how to say it right in a conversation like this. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's important for us that I understand how if someone is saying, damn it, I've read that freaking Bible and I've lived a good life and I have tried to pray to you and, and I got in a car accident, I lost my limbs, you've never shown up for me, I don't believe in you. That is not Christianity. That is atheism. Christianity is... No, I don't, I don't think that's atheism. Okay, that's, all right. Like, like I say, atheism is just being, you know... No evidence not, of... Yeah, not, not, being, not being convinced that there's sufficient evidence to warrant belief in a, in a deity of any kind. Remember, and you just quoted it, I think, I think you quoted the Book of Mormon version, brother, from the primary days. Oh, did I? Faith is the substance of things not seen, the evidence of things... Evidence thing what? Hoped for. Hoped for. So it's not seen and it's a hope. So the faith is not uh, going to be validated by the gnosis you talked about. It's it's validated by the hope. Well, and that's a problem. It like is a said, problem with with a lot of Christians, right? Yeah. Is that they I know super duper hard. That, that is God the problem. And, yeah, 
And you would too, if only you had surrendered yourself to Christ. Right. They do, they jump on that assumption and it is so sour a note that I don't blame you for kicking it back. You know, I get what you're saying. Because in reality, if you, if you took them into a room and put a spotlight on them, okay, what do you really know? All they can say is in my heart, I know, you know, <laughs> and that's really, I can give you all kinds of technical knowledge, but it is a faith. Well, and I wanted to go back to earlier when you said that, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. We all know John 3.16, right? Um, but did he really give his son? And did his son, I mean, he didn't give his son. He has a son back, right? Yeah. So he didn't, he didn't really give him, give the world his son. His, I mean, if, if we were to believe the, the tales in the Bible that say that, Christ came as the Redeemer, that He sacrificed Himself for all of us, and, you know, is this, is this great Redeemer that has reconciled everything and He's got total victory or whatever. Um, I, I don't, I don't see much sacrifice there. Um, one of the, one of the co-hosts of my show, uh, I think put it perfectly one day when he said, you know, God didn't give His Son, He has Him back, and, it's not as if Jesus was was gone forever or even suffered very long. Yeah, he's short spent, time. He had a miserable weekend to spend the rest of eternity as vice god of the universe, right? <laughs> you guys go. <killed> <laughs> I mean I mean who wouldn't who wouldn't That's take a great that bumper deal? sticker. <laughs> who, Jesus just had a miserable weekend. <laughs> he had a miserable weekend to become vice god of the universe for all eternity. Would you not take that deal? Okay. Yeah, and I think Carl Sagan may I don't know someone touched on that, but anyway, let me give you the Christian response to that, please. Okay. Okay, because your point is good. You're right. From a humanistic standpoint, who wouldn't, uh, you know, walk around and say, hey, okay, because there are people being crucified on both sides of him, right? So they're getting crucified. He got crucified, too. He's not that much different than the thousands that were He's killed that He's not that, that special. Yeah, he just had a bad <laughs> weekend, right? But the reality from the Christian perspective is not that God had... uh a son that earned a place with God and then he's got all these glories back. I mean, he's got all these glories that he earned from doing all that. The Christian perspective uh, is this. God himself came down and took on a body of flesh and bone. And you can debate it. And he uh, gave his life willingly, his short life willingly, obediently, he wanted to bang chicks. He wanted to do all the stuff, right? He, he wanted to be, he wanted to sin. He, he didn't want to have to He go to did church. want to sin because it, scripture says he was tempted in all things. So he was tempted to do all those things, but he said, I love you more. Uh, right? So wait, just don't, we don't, can't go into ontology yet. Just okay. let me finish this. Right. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that another time. <laughs> and so he goes to the cross, you know, and he suffers an ignominious difficulty. But the thing that was terrible about it, is that on it, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that was when the the God in man was separated from his father. And it's a long discussion. I can see your face lighten up. Yeah, with all sorts of stuff. But I'm just telling you, the, the real thing was that when he, in faith, wanted to not go to the cross, he said, I don't want to do this, but if you want me to do it, I will. And he says, your will be done. He went and did it anyway. Well, do you think he had a choice? Yeah, he had a choice. 
He could have just told the Romans, no, nah, not today. He could, he, well, he told Matthew, I don't want to be crucified I can wipe today. them out with a ton of angels if I want. Don't you think I can do that, Peter? He had a choice, but he willing, and that's the model for the Christian today. We want to go and do things, but we willingly surrender our will to his. So the, 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 getting back to the point, and I'll stop. Okay. He was separated for the first and only time in eternity from who he was. And he became a sinner on a cross for us. While that in our world might, might mean anything, in the spectrum of an eternity, that is a magnanimous uh, sacrifice. I don't know. That... You're thinking of it in human terms. If you think of it in, in deific eternal terms, it's much bigger than your friend well, on that the show. Well, that seems even, that seems even less, like, less of a sacrifice. If we're looking at a time scale of eternity, right, where you do, let's say, Let's say that you did believe in hell and you've, you've got people in hell where they're, you know, suffering in eternal torture. Uh, another friend who came on my show one day, uh, really crystallized this for me that, you know, on a timeline of eternity, we can't even really fathom what that's like, right? Yeah. Because after a thousand years of being tortured, you're just getting started. Yeah. And after 10,000 years of being tortured, you're just getting started. Yeah. You, you're, you're just barely, you haven't even left the gates yet. Yeah. And after a billion years of being tortured, you're still just getting started on an eternal time scale. So a sacrifice of three days hanging on a cross on that kind of time scale really seems even more diminished and this to is, me. You've set it up beautifully because in a human scale, you're right. But in that eternal time scale that you were just talking about, mm. where the being inside Christ was one with his father for an eternity, that time of separation was an eternal sacrifice. And that is what we don't comprehend when it comes to the magnitude of it. You described the eternal time scale as being, I mean, in hell, you know, a billion years is just barely getting started, right? Well, his separation from his father, that's the same type of, that's the same thinking that the theologians of Christianity have. That was where the sacrifice was. So if you can try to take the, your own thinking and apply it to that, I think there's some merit to that. Consider. Yeah, I'll think about it. Let, let's. Uh, we, we don't have that much time. Are you a Darwinian? <laughs> what What would be a What would do you a Darwinian be? Do you believe in uh, uh, macro and micro evolution? I accept the fact of evolution. Yes. The, the, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You do make me laugh. <laughs> and I You're accept welcome. the fact that. God is mad at you. No. <laughs> okay. So you accept the fact of. Uh, macro and micro evolution? Absolutely. Okay. So we came from, human race came from, in your words? Other humans? Okay, before that, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I want to make sure that I, that I understand your question because yeah. did we, we, could go, pond, we could go down did a we whole come from lot a of pond roads. Lit up by lightning? No, we didn't. No. 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 Uh, ancient ancestors of ours did, sure. Okay. Our ancestors came from something like that. Sure. Okay. So, and Darwinian, do you believe that, for instance, like Marxist might makes right? Do, are you, no. You don't believe that? No, hell no. Okay, but isn't that part of uh, survival of the fittest? Nope. Is it natural selection part of that might makes right sort of no. strong survival no. of the no, fittest? No, I think that's a, I think that's a common misconception also. Is it? Yeah. Uh, might makes right is, that's more a political. Okay, forget that philosophy. Just what about natural selection? 
natural selection isn't that the strongest survives. It's the mo- it's the one who is uh, most adapted, more adapted for their for their surroundings, right? And those surroundings change. But the, that be where, the where we live, where we live right now, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago was underwater. Yeah, this was all Lake Bonneville, right? So your surroundings change, and the the species who are there, who are most able to adapt to those changing surroundings, are the ones who survive, who pass on those mutations, those genes who that have enabled them to adapt and survive better than their cousins are the ones who go on and pass on those same genes to their offspring. Mm-hmm. And then that climate changes, those you know, there are other mutations that that create change in those species and or in those uh, individuals and then you get speciation, you yeah, it, uh, yeah, evolution is mm-hmm. proven I think more than just about any other realm of science. I have no problem with uh, evolution. I I just believe that there was a garden where Adam and Eve were created. <laughs> and uh, see, I don't. Wait, you're being you're, you're being serious. I'm being serious. Okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, and and but there were. Remember, it was a specific place between the Tigris and Euphrates and and Pistis River or whatever it was. And it was just a one place outside of that. I don't know what was going on. So I have no problem with some of the the things that we've come up with. There's no problem. There's no. There's but no. So do you think there. that all humans started with Adam and Eve? I think that humans, as we know them today, as you differentiated for us, yes. I think you are an ancestor of that's slippery. I know it's slippery, <laughs> I know, and I know all the data that you'll throw. I, I, I that's up my faith. I place my faith in that biblical narrative. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know that it is exactly how we like to explain it, but I do accept that as the origins of you and me and everybody who uh, is here. Uh, what about the land of Nod? Yeah, what happened there? What, what, what was in the <laughs> well, land just of Nod? the the people that existed in the land of Nod outside. Yeah, yeah, land of Nod. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Outside of Eden, there was uh, there's other places. The people, humans. I don't know. That's the huh. thing. I, I don't know. The, the biblical narrative is not ex- exhaustive. It just gives us enough to, to kind of tell the story. But to me, uh, you know, and, and we're almost wrapping this up, but to me, uh, Dan, the I'll just give this final note and then leave it to you to give a final summation. I want to, before you do that, thank you for coming on. Uh, you're an engaging guy, and I like you as a person. Thank you. And I want you to know that I love you as a human being. Oh, stop. I do. <laughs> I do. I love you, and I care about you. And... uh and I do believe, uh, it, from our faith perspective, that every knee will bow and every tongue will ultimately confess that Jesus is the Christ and that you'll do that not by force. You'll do it because you want to. And I believe that you and I are going to be with each other after this life, all because of the victory of Christ. But the thing I want to say is um, we don't have all the answers. We've made a lot of mistakes as Christians in the way we deal with people who are not of faith. And I want to uh, say on my behalf, and being a Christian, sold out for all the stuff that you might scoff at. Uh, I, I'm sorry that uh, so much of that happens. I accept you as my brother. I accept you as my friend. And you can be an atheist till now, the day you die. I'll sing your praises at the funeral. And I just want you to know that there are Christians out there who do operate by the New Testament edict of Christ to love unconditionally no matter people's beliefs. And that's probably the most important thing I can share with you as my guest tonight. You have the final say. Well, I appreciate the invite to come on the show. This has been a hoot. Um, You seem like a very nice guy. I hope that you guys all uh, have fun doing your... (laughs) 
<laughs> He's going to get it. He does this again. This is this is my excited emotion. Uh, but no, I, I appreciate you having me on the show. This has been a fun talk. Uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Maybe I'll have you come on my show. That'd be great. I'm going to take a lot of heat uh, from the evangelicals for all that I didn't counter you with and all oh, the things I could have and didn't say. You have no idea how full my email box is going to be. Well, you should have said this and you should have said this we and you should have pressed boat. on these things. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. awesome. So it, it's kind of like humans are humans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And, and somebody else can always do it better. Oh, someone can always <laughs> do it better. Hey, brother, thanks so much. Thank you, Sean. God it's been a pleasure. You. Thank you. We'll see you next week on Heart of the Matter. It was great, brother. Let's do it again. Absolutely. That was a lot of fun. And like I said, I... I Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Okay, that's that. So when the audio cuts out there at the very end, very abruptly, that wasn't me trimming the audio or anything like that. That was just, that's the end of the video that I pulled the audio from online. Uh, I think it's just when they... Ended their video in studio there, so I wasn't, you know, pulling anything hanky with that or anything. It was just that's where the audio ends. Sorry for the abrupt ending like that. So send me your feedback. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you think it would be worthwhile to have Sean on the show and try to pick his brain a little bit. Try to figure out where he comes up with some of these, uh, trying to be nicer, some of these eccentric beliefs that he has and how he came to them. You can contact us at all of the information that Megan gave you earlier. I'll give it to you again. You can reach us at thegodlessrevolution at gmail.com or on Twitter at TGR Podcast. You can go out to our Facebook page and leave comments. Uh, you can go to our Facebook community and ask to join the community. We'll happily accept you. And then you can you know, make posts and ask questions, comments in there. Uh, you can give us a call at 33081 Rebel. Hope to hear from you all soon, and we'll see you next time.